Welcome to the Cap City Church podcast. This is the recording of our Sunday message. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged as you listen to this. Enjoy. It is good to see you all this morning. How are we doing? It's always a dangerous question to ask. If you're going to get a muted response, you think, oh, I shouldn't have asked. Uh, I had a similar response when I asked my son this morning if he was ready for church. Uh, and uh, five, year, five years old, and he told me, I don't want to go to church today, Dad. Why do we have to go to church? Um, which I wasn't thrown off by because he doesn't want to go anywhere or do anything when I ask him the first time. But I said, I thought, we'll, we'll engage, we'll reason with him. I said, well, we like going to church. We've got our friends and our family are in church. Oh, we have fun in church. I said, we learn about God in church. Uh, and he turns around and says, Dad, I've, I've learned it all. <laughs> so I thought, okay, well, if, if you're going to go there, I'm going to follow you. I said, okay, tell me what you've learned. Um, he's like, oh, well, there's loads of stuff, all of it, all of it, loads of things. And so, okay, I'm going to try this from a different angle. I said, did you understand it? He goes, no, I didn't understand any of it. <laughs> and what I enjoyed about that is there was this, in that moment, I, I think me and my son shared a spiritual experience there. Uh, and, I, and I didn't have the heart to say, I said, sometimes that's just life. You might know what's going on, but goodness me, often we don't understand it, right? And I think that's true in, in many times with our, with, our, uh, with our experiences of being a follower of Jesus. We might have information that we've been given. We might understand ideas of, of biblical truth or theology, or we might have been taught well in the past, but do we understand it? And what I mean by that is, is does that make a difference in the person that we are and the way that we live our life? A, a huge danger for me personally, I love theology. I think the three years uh, that I spent doing my, uh, my theological degree was some of the most enjoyable times I've ever had. And, and as a result, I've got a propensity to spend time just talking about thinking and not doing anything. Anyone who works with me will nod and go, yes, yes, you, you do that, Luke. Uh, and, and sometimes it's important when we stop and when we're studying the Bible, and especially when we're, we're studying parts of the Bible that are, not on, that are not meant to be simply understood, but are intended to be lived out. There's a danger that we stop and we go, okay, I, I, I think I know that now. And yet, has that permeated our heart? Has that made a difference in who we are and, more importantly, how we live? So I'd like to share an illustration with you before we get going. Uh, and you can check the next one on uh, if you want here. Imagine getting a brand new car. Now, I don't know anything about cars. Uh, to be honest, if, you know, if, if it's shiny and it goes, I mean, that's a great car, right? That's about as far as my technical abilities will allow me to go. But imagine getting a brand new car, a car that you love, a car that you've always wanted. Maybe it's just a car that works, whatever. It's absolutely perfect. And it's given to you, but you find out that it's empty. What I mean by that, there's nothing in the fuel tank. And he, well, what do you do? Now, I know what you would do, but in this situation, imagine taking the decision to begin pushing the car around. So you're just going to knock the handbrake off. Uh, you're going kind of, to put it into the right kind of position on the seat. You're just going to start pushing this thing around. And you show people, look at this amazing car. Isn't it beautiful? It's so clean. It's pristine. Uh, it's, it's amazing. I love my new car. You start going for these long I can't say drives, these long pushes. You go for a long walk with your car. Typically, if you go for a drive, you just go downhill. Maybe even you call on your friends to help you push the car around. And soon enough, that is how you are using it. Maybe you're sitting in the front seat and other people are pushing you. Maybe sometimes you're offering people a lift and you will push them. 
And soon enough, you just assume this is how it's meant to be, that this is what the car is for, this is how it has always been, this is all you can remember. And it's ridiculous, right? That, that is a ridiculous illustration, because no one would ever do that. But my, my point is, is this, what if I said to you, this is often how many people live their Christian lives? And, and just, just think about that for a moment. That we're called to live these lives of, of power and of purpose and of love and of significance. We're called to live these lives that reflect the truth of who Jesus is. Reflect the power of his gospel. To bring the kingdom of heaven here to earth. And what we end up doing is giving it our best shot. We try hard. Some of us try very, very hard. We put all our effort into it. Maybe we bring people along and they help us put extra effort into it. And I'm not saying that following Jesus doesn't involve effort and shouldn't involve help from others. But if that is all that it is, then we are seriously missing something. What we all know we are meant to do is fill the car up and drive to allow the power that is within that vehicle to move us forward. And so you might think, okay, Luke, we get the illustration. What are we talking about? Let me ask you, have you ever felt frustrated with your spiritual walk? Have you ever felt that there was, there was some key part that was missing? Maybe you felt that despite your best efforts, you were still not where you ought to be or where you felt you should be. Then this series we're starting today is for you. What if I told you that much of these frustrations were born out of living the Christian life in our own strength rather than living in the fullness of God's Holy Spirit working through us? That so often we are left pushing the car up the hill rather than filling it up and driving. Would this explain why we can be so passionate about Jesus, so enthusiastic about church, so desperate for mission, and yet find things difficult, unfulfilling, ineffective, and disappointing? Church, we're going to spend the next few Sundays just exploring not only what it looks like to live the Christian life empowered by the Holy Spirit, but to, to engage in that ourselves to look at what God's Word says, but to live it out as our reality, to live with that full tank, as it were. And my first question I want us to, to reflect on and think about this morning is, are we missing something? How many of you leave the house in the morning with that, that kind of, that feeling in the back of your mind you've forgotten something? Have you ever done, is it typically keys, I'm one for keys, um, I can remember losing my keys once and spending about half an hour looking for them only to discover that they were actually in my pockets. 100% true story. I think in my defense, there were deep pockets. This is back when baggy trousers were, were really in and they were like down here. But I can remember we, we had the ha entire household looking for these keys and I had them with me all along. But we get that feeling sometimes, don't we? We leave the house and we've checked, we've got our keys, we've got our wallet, we've got our phone, and we think, well, surely that's everything, right? And, and yet that feeling that we've missed something is still there. And we, we, we go throughout our day with this nagging feeling that something isn't right. I had this experience once going to pick up my wife, 
and realizing, fortunately, hadn't left the driveway, uh, I'd not put all of the children in the car. A book I found incredibly helpful when considering this morning's message is, is one called Forgotten God by Francis Chan. And he uses this idea. He says, imagine you, that you're brought up on a desert island and the only thing you've had to read is a copy of the Bible. And you read and you study and you, you see this book cover to cover and then imagine one day being rescued, finding yourself in the UK, setting foot in a church and asking yourself, does what I've read match up with what I see? Is the message and power of the gospel reflected in this place? Are we living lives that reflect what the Word of God calls us to? In Luke 24, 49, Jesus encourages the disciples, I'm going to send to you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Friends, reflect on your Christian journey. Is a closeness with God a regular experience? Is an awareness of God at work in your life a present reality or a distant memory? Does the power that Jesus spoke about feel like something that you experience recently or something that you think you remember from once upon a time? The pastor and author A.W. Tozer wrote this challenge to the modern church. He says, we have imitated the world, sought popular favor, manufactured delights to substitute for the joy of the Lord and produced cheap and synthetic power to substitute for the power of the Holy Ghost. Church, if you are frustrated this morning in your walk with Jesus, if you've asked yourself, am I missing something in, in how I live the Christian life? Ask this, am I missing the animating force, the power promised by Jesus of the Holy Spirit at work within us? I think for many of us, we need to rediscover the Holy Spirit. We need to rediscover the Holy Spirit. How many of you know that experience of rediscovering a piece of music that was really important to you when you were young? You know, maybe there's a, there's a particular album or song, and you, you go, I've not heard this one in ages. There's, there's a particular one. I was sharing it with Jack. I was surprised. Uh, anyone know Wishbone Ash? They are one or two. It's the fact that we, we, we bonded over this earlier. This is a shared experience. Both are, we, you know, we're not old enough to remember it. Uh, when it first happened, uh, but we have parents of an age, both our fathers were particular fans, and, and I, can, I, was saying, I remember I put, I put some of this music on this week as I was preparing this and thinking about this, and all of a sudden I was seven years old again, I was sitting in the back of the family car, the cassette tape goes into the cassette tape player, and this song begins, and, and that was the moment that I had as I sat there listening to that music. And we can have that. Music is an incredible thing for, for, for creating those memories, for bringing us back to those emotions. And there can be particular songs that we, we've forgotten about and we rediscover because we remember they were once so important to us. And I feel for us in this, in this season, what I want us to do is to rediscover the significance of the Holy Spirit in our life. And I say rediscover because the Holy Spirit is at work in all believers. He is at work in us coming to faith and developing as disciples and shaping and crafting our character into the image of Jesus. 
And yet in the coming weeks, we'll look at what the Bible teaches about the Spirit from, from different passages and, and different perspectives. But, but whilst we look and get to grips with the theology, the most important thing is that we stay grounded in an understanding that this is the most practical aspect of the New Testament. The, the, the most practical, and what I mean by that, it's not just an idea. It's not got to, you know, we've got to accept that some kind of belief that the Trinity is there and the Holy Spirit is a thing and it's important for our walk and our salvation. But it's, it's thoroughly practical that the purpose of God giving His Spirit to us is to empower us for mission, to empower us to live the Christian life. It is incredibly practical. Theologian Wayne Grudem said, the work of the Holy Spirit uh, the, the work of the Holy Spirit is to manifest the active presence of God in the world and especially in the church. He is the one who is most, who is, who is most prominently present with us now. That when we think about our active engagement, our active relationship with God, our active experiences as followers of Jesus, is the work of the Holy Spirit that is most actively present with us as we move through that. Engagement with the Holy Spirit is, by and large, the way that we interact and are changed by God. Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And it's that word power that I find so, so significant there. And we can get that wrong if we don't stop to think about, you know, if I think, you know, God wants to give you power, I don't know if you're like me, my mind goes to superpowers, I think, yeah, God's super strength, flight, something like that would be amazing. And the Bible talks a lot about the empowering role of the Spirit. You look at the Old Testament stories, filled with stories when God empowers an individual for a purpose and a reason. We recently, when finishing the book of Exodus, looked at a, uh, an instance in which uh, those who were, uh, had skills in constructing uh, craft and the tabernacle there were empowered by the Spirit of God to do those things. You think about famous stories of Samson, God empowering him to liberate his people, the Spirit of God coming upon Gideon or David to do the things that God had called them to. And it's the Holy Spirit that empowers Jesus at the beginning of his, his ministry. Before the miracles, before the teaching, before the sermons, before the disciples, before any of that, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, descends upon Jesus at his baptism. And it's that outpouring of the Spirit on the day of Pentecost that launches the birth of the church. And I'm going to fly through a quick list now. These are some of the things we'll pick up in the weeks to come. But when we think about what we're empowered with and for, the Holy Spirit gives us the spiritual gifts, gifts from God designed to help us live the Christian life. The fruit of the Spirit is something that we need to think about, that transformation of character, those aspects of godliness growing within us. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin and yet sanctifies us of that sin. The Holy Spirit equips us to perform miracles, to boldly proclaim God's Word, gives us confidence that we are adopted and loved by God and part of His family. The Holy Spirit helps us to overcome opposition. It gives us insight in how we share God's truth with people. It empowers us in spiritual warfare. It gives us discernment. It gives us evidence of God's presence with us. It guides us in God's plans and purposes, and it brings us together in unity. And it is important that the Holy Spirit is not just an idea we believe in, but a relationship we experience. 
We don't perform a ritual and then require, uh, acquire the necessary skills for Christian living. Have Neil's, Neil's illustration of that driver download so interesting because we can think sometimes we like the idea that it's just that, that exchange. We do something and we get something back and that allows us to carry on. And yet what it, the way that it works is, is that when we dial in, when we connect to God, when we engage in that relationship, the expectation is an exchange. The infilling of the Holy Spirit, walking rooted in relationship with Him, is what we need to discover, and this is what transforms our life. Let me ask you, do you, do you want things to change? That's a genuine question. I think it's one that we don't, don't take seriousness, seriously enough in our lives sometimes. Is, do I want things to be different to how they are? Sometimes we need to be really desperate to desire things to change, enough to actually act upon it. Jesus challenged his listeners in, in Luke 14, 28, which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he is enough to complete it? Church, listen, following Jesus will ruin your plans. Some of you, can you attest to that experience? And I don't necessarily mean that negatively, but following Jesus will ruin your plans. I can remember preaching a message many years ago, and my point was that God wants to ruin your plans. And that sounds incredibly harsh. And you kind of think, well, hang on a minute. I've worked hard crafting my plans. You know, I've got a three-year plan of where I want to be and a, and a five-year plan of what I'm going to achieve and a 10-year plan of when I'm going to do this. God wants to ruin the plans for your life. Because when you stop and you think about what are, what are your plans? For most of us, we're thinking about peace. We're thinking about security. We're thinking about our health and well-being. We're thinking about comfort. And they're all wonderful things to plan for, right? No one is actively trying to ruin those things in their life, are they? No one's going, my life is just too peaceful right now. I'm going you know, to metaphorically kick that hornet's nest or whatever, that, whatever the real-life equivalent is. No one's thinking, how can I sabotage how well life is going? At least not, meant, you know, not, not intentionally, unless there's something seriously wrong, unless we've got a serious self-destructive streak. Generally speaking, we're working towards tranquility and comfort. We rarely run away from those things. Church, I know many of us right now are going through things that are difficult and many of us are desperate for a way out. Can I challenge you this morning? What if God's plan for you is to be exactly where you are right now? And, 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 and hear me out on this one. What if God's desire is that you're where you're supposed to be? Because this is the place that he can speak to you. This is the place he can mold you. This is where he can use and transform you. And I, and I, and I don't want to get into the long grass of this conversation and talk about how we get here and, 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 and what's going on in our life and, the, and, and, and where these problems have come from. But what if you are where you are right now because God has got a purpose for you? God has got a purpose for that season and that difficulty. Church, we can all agree, growth and transformation rarely happen in a season of peace and tranquility. 
Growth and transformation almost always occur in times of pain and of challenge. I can attest that just this very week, the amount of, uh, of stress that I've been going through has is, is, is actually driven me closer to God in just crying out to Him and, and calling on Him. And it's not, it's not the way that I want my week to look. When I plan my week on a Sunday afternoon and say, what are we doing each night of the week? I'm working towards my own comfort and rest. And I'm saying maybe in this moment, God is calling you to something else. If your goal is peace and tranquility, what on earth are you asking for the Spirit of God for? Why are you asking for the power of God if all you want is comfort and ease? If your goal is to stand firm in the place and the season that God has called you, then the Holy Spirit is here for you in abundance. I found this fantastic quote by by Henry Blackaby, a Christian pastor and author. He said, will God ever ask you to do something that you are not able to do? The answer is yes, all the time. It must be that way for God's glory and kingdom. If we function according to our ability alone, we get the glory. If we function according to the power of the Spirit within us, then God gets the glory. He wants to reveal himself to a watching world. Church, if you are desperate for the Spirit, The Spirit is there for you. If you are open to the Spirit as an optional extra, let me tell you, I think there's there's more frustration in that approach to following Jesus. Francis Chan writes, without Him, that is without the Spirit, people operate in their own strength and only accomplish human-sized results. The world is not moved by love or actions that are of human creation. And the church is not empowered to live differently from any other gathering of people without the Holy Spirit. But when believers live in the power of the Spirit, the evidence in their lives is supernatural. The church cannot help but be different and the world cannot help but notice. Friends, why would, why would God empower us with the Holy Spirit if we have no intention of living our life for God? What, what, what possible purpose could that serve other than just making things a little more enjoyable, life a little bit easier, so we could feel a little bit better about ourselves, or maybe even worse, a little bit better than those around us? The Holy Spirit longs to dwell powerfully in your life making you more and more like Jesus. And and if your true heart's cry is that, if, if there is a deep yearning within, then ask and you will receive. That is what the Holy Spirit longs to do. If you're passionate about loving others self sacrificially, if you're passionate about serving the needs of those around you, then you need the Holy Spirit. If you're longing to share the gospel with those that you encounter, then you need the Holy Spirit. If you are desperate to glorify God in your life and in your loves and in your action, then you need the Holy Spirit. So church, my invitation this morning is, are, are you willing to start that journey? And, and I don't want to assume that, 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 that we're all in the same place here. I don't want to assume that, that this is brand new territory for every one of us. But, but, but often what I, what, I, what I can assume relatively confidently is, is for many of us, there's a step forward we need to take in that journey. 
Some of us already feel a challenge coming. There's all that, already that expectation that, that, that something is going to be asked of you. But this morning, I'm going to invite you to ask the Holy Spirit to do something in your life. There we go. You know what's coming in five minutes, okay? Church, the Spirit led the first Christians to do unexplainable things. To, to live lives that, that didn't make sense to those around them. The Spirit led, led that church, that first early church, to, to ultimately spread the story of God's grace around the world. What is so compelling about, about the story in the book of Acts and the story of the early church is it's the same disciples who, who constantly misunderstood Jesus. Those same disciples who ran in fear when he was arrested. Those same disciples who, had, who hid in defeat when he was crucified were the same ones that completely turned the world upside down after Pentecost. Those same disciples who were bold even fearless in the face of death. Who were driven by a compassion beyond their own energy and ability. Who were powerful and wise and joyful beyond what they could muster themselves. These ordinary people were utterly transformed. And when we ask what happened, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Can I invite the band back up? We're going we're gonna to respond in just a second. I've got one more passage I want you to read with me. It's in Luke chapter 11, 9 to 13. And so often we've read this passage without, without really landing on the end bit well. It says, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receive. To the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. Jesus is talking here about prayer. Jesus is teaching people how to pray, how we approach God with our prayers. He says, which of you fathers, if your son asked for a fish, would give him a snake instead? Or if he asked for an egg, would give him a scorpion? He says, if then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And so often, I know I've read that passage and thought, okay, well, well, I need to ask God for the things that I need. I've got to ask God for even the things that I want. I'm invited into that, that relationship with God through prayer in which, which I'm allowed to ask. I'm, I'm given that free platform to speak and to ask God, my heavenly Father, for my needs. But in this particular instance, whilst all that is true, Jesus is saying, if, if, if we who are evil, if we were flawed and, and, and fundamentally broken, we can be good to our children. We can give them good things. We don't intentionally give them things that will hurt them or damage them. We know how to, how to give good gifts. We know how to give them what they need. He says, your Father in heaven is better than us. How much more will he give you the good things that you need? And what Jesus understands here is not, not the things to make life comfortable, not to make the things uh, that will make life easy, not the things necessarily that we think we want. but His Holy Spirit with us. Church, can I invite you to stand at this moment? We're going to respond in just a second.
I think it's important for us to, to recognize in our, in our journey of faith, we don't need all the answers to take the first step. If that was true, we would never get anywhere. And for some of us, we really want those answers, but that isn't the way that faith works. That isn't the way that relationships work. That a child doesn't say to a father, can you explain to me all my basic needs? Can you explain to me your obligations to me? Can you explain to me what I can rightly expect from you? Can you explain to me when you say yes and when you say no, what your motivation and thought process is there? When that relationship is at its, at its truest and most beautiful, a, a child asks a parent and they trust. They ask for what they need and they trust that they will get what is good for them. And so church, in this moment, we, we're going to ask. If anything this morning has resonated with you, if there's, if there's, if there's frustration in your heart right now about, about your walk with Jesus, not necessarily a loss of love or a loss of belief, but just a frustration that things aren't the way that you know they're meant to be. There's struggle. There's barriers. There's, there's, there's just the same old problems again and again. I want to invite you to ask that God would give you the Holy Spirit. For some of us, there's, there's a response to that challenge that that God, you can, you can mess with my plans. God, that's a scary prayer to pray. Lord, that's a prayer that I don't know where, the, where that is going to lead and where that is going to end up. But God, I'll take that step. I will open up that little bit. Say, God, I, I trust you with as much as I can. That God, I want your plans to be my plans. That God, I'm, not, I'm no longer interested in fitting you into my life and fitting you into my schedule. But God, I would rather exchange all the, 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 the fake peace and tranquility that I can muster for just a glimpse of your goodness and power. That God, that is, that is not a difficult exchange when I see that in the light of day. For some of us, that, that is the prayer this morning. God, God, come and mess with my plans. But, but give me your spirit. Some of us, it's, it's, the, it's the boldness in the season that we're in right now. We're just saying, God, I would not choose to be where I am right now. God, I don't know how I've got here. I don't know why I'm here. I don't know how I can still see and trust your goodness while I'm here. But, but God, give me your Holy Spirit. Give me all I need, not just to get through this, but to thrive in this place. Give me all I need, not just to get through this season, God, but to, but to be who you've called me to be in this season. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to find out more about us, please visit our website, capcitycardiff.org.uk.